That's a blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're scheduled next Wednesday, too. Uh, that's good stuff. Thank you. Not next Wednesday, real soon. All right. But anyway, what a blessing. Aren't you glad to be saved tonight? Amen. I'm so thankful to be saved. I don't ever want to get over it. Amen. I don't want to get over it. I thank God for it. Amen. Well, we're in Proverbs chapter 15, and we're going to jump right in tonight. We left off of verse number 16, and verse 16 and 17 really tie together. Some of these verses tie very closely together, and these are two of them that do so. So we're going to, we're not going to reteach verse 16, but we're going to tie it in with verse 17 and uh, hit the ground running. I'm excited about the scriptures we'll cover tonight. Let's pray together. Father, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me be a help to your people. I need your wisdom, Lord, to teach. And um, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. Uh, uh, We're the the mouthpiece. You're the teacher. So just uh, teach us, Lord, tonight. And uh, and may you help these that hear. And as I speak, fill me, these that hear, fill them as they hear. And help us take home what we've learned and applied in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 16, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. Verse 17, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. So you know if you've got a loving home and a God-fearing home. You've got something that a lot of wealthy people will never know anything about. And we need to put our values where God puts His values. Amen? Don't value the things of this world. Hold loosely to the things of this world. Amen? You know, good things ought to pass very quickly and easily through our hands. And when God finds somebody that doesn't have sticky fingers, somebody that doesn't hold on to what they get, He usually sends more their way. He's just like that. He's looking for folks who pass on the goodness of God. But the goodness of God just doesn't come in material things. I mean, it's a little dinner of herbs. That's a, that's a very meager meal. That's a, the stalled ox. Now, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Amen? Stalled ox. That, that's not a grass-fed beef. No, no, no. That thing has been fattened up. Amen? That's the tender meat. Amen? I believe in a good steak. Praise the Lord. Amen. Don't let me get started on this vegan mess. I don't, don't get me going. Everything received with thanksgiving. That's what the Bible said. Amen? Now, I understand you can overdo anything. And, and uh, fruits and vegetables. I, I understand all that. I'm for being healthy. But I'm not for being turning something that's good into a religion. Amen? Uh, and so, but anyway, uh, but if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a piece of meat, it might as well be tender, right? Amen. And that was the stalled ox. And so the wealthy could afford that. So here's the picture of an impoverished home where love is. And a wealthy home where folks hate each other. I know which one I would pick. Uh, I'll, I'll say it this way for a statement in the verse. Wealth can't buy true love. Wealth cannot buy true love. What a sad place. To be at a table with people that hate each other. <laughs> what, that's a sad table to be at. Can't, people can't stand each other. You know, the world doesn't know anything about love. Uh, wealth doesn't buy love. You know, the world's picture of love is some old geezer with two, uh, two babes on each arm, one on each arm, about 30 years younger than him. He's old enough to be their grandpa. We call him Mr. Swanky. And uh, they're, 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 they're there for his looks, right? Yeah. <laughs> But the world, the world seems to think you can buy love. What you buy is not love. Oh, you buy an experience, of course. But you don't, you can't buy love. And we were walking 
in a park in Greensboro some years ago as a little short couple. It might have been Jewish. I don't know. But anyway, they had a little short couple on a, on a bench. And uh, the little lady, her legs didn't even touch the ground. The little man, has been, his toes just touched the ground. Just sitting quietly on a park bench. And she was sleeping. She was asleep on his shoulder. He had his arm around her. And we walked by. We were just talking. And you know, we ate our meal, our, our, our date night meal. And we, we were walking it off <laughs> in a little garden area. A beautiful place to walk. And we walked by that little couple. And I said, how long have you been sitting on that bench together? And he smiled. He said, 64 years. 64 years. Let me tell you something. A little meager dinner with love is better than the fanciest set table, the best of foods. I'll take the fear of God in a loving household. Amen. That's what I want. Let me tell you something. I, I remember an, uh, it was a tall, white-haired black gentleman that walked to town for years. I didn't know who he was. I'd see him walking the sidewalks day after day after day. And one day, over behind Balsong Hosiery, I was door knocking, and I met him. Knocked on his door one day. I said, hey. I said, I, I've always wondered who you were. I introduced myself, talked to him about the Lord. And I said, uh, where do you walk every day? He said, my wife's in the, in the nursing care home. And he said, I can't care for her. He said, but I'm going to be with her. And I leave early in the morning. I stay with her all day. I feed her. Nobody feeds her. I feed her. Then I come back at night in the evening. Now, let me tell you something. Mr. Swanky, he don't have nobody sit with him when he's convalesced. But love will sit by the bedside when the body has wasted away. And there's very little attractive about it. Can I tell you something? Young people, you listen to me very carefully. Listen. You say, oh, she's gorgeous. She might be, but you wait till she gets uh, that attitude. It's amazing how beauty can get ugly in, a, in just a heartbeat. You're like, whoa. And by the way, they all wake up different in the morning anyway, so don't get too enamored. <laughs> More than our kids need a bigger home or a nicer car, name brand clothes or the latest toy or steak dinners or meals out and annual vacations and all that's good and well. But more than that, they need to know that they have a mom and dad that love God, love each other, and love them. And by the way, love is... Many a kid have had expensive things but much rather had dad's time and some consideration and some... Some love, tangible love, not just things. We've got to take time to love our kids. We have to take time to love our spouse. And um, the size of the house doesn't have anything to do with the love in the house. What's said on the table doesn't have anything to do with, with, with the love. They said that might be meager. But, but what we're meagerness is, and love and the fear of God, that's what makes a happy home. Amen. Let me say this. Let me say this because I'm not being, I'm not get, I'm not getting on to you. How can how can we not be spoiled? We're so blessed. We're so blessed. We're just blessed. How can we not be spoiled? Number one, gratitude. Number two, generosity. Amen. But let me say this, young ladies, to, to young ladies especially, if you've been blessed, and and young men too. Uh, ladies, when you get married, don't need a lot. Young ladies, don't need a lot. Don't need a lot. Don't have to have all the nicest stuff right away. First of all, you'll enjoy it more if you wait a little while. 
Wait, don't, don't go into a bunch of debt for something. You don't need a brand new car. You've been married six months. You don't need a brand new car. Now, if you can have one, that's fine. I, I, but you know what? We have, if you, if you'll wait and save for some things and not get into debt, my wife did a study. She teaches on sometimes about what people spend on weddings. And this like 20, $25 million weddings last 72 hours. $10 million weddings last three months. Literally. I'm not exaggerating. I don't have the numbers right, but I'm not exaggerating. And so many people, if we, uh, you, you, make sure, young people, listen. You need to prepare for marriage. Not just a wedding. For marriage. Don't spend more time preparing for a day. Not even a day. For about a 45-minute ceremony. Unless Pastor Shook conducts it. It can go a little longer. But anyway. But don't just prepare all this preparation for, a, for an event. Prepare for life together. Prepare for it. And uh, I, I want a home filled with love. Amen. I uh, love that little story. I've told it, but it fits here. But a judge. Very busy judge. Very... Uh, influential judge. And he had a son. He had a young son. And he promised his son a day of fishing. And the docket was filled on the day that he had promised. And he just was going to pass it right on by and reschedule. And his son said, but Dad, you promised me. You promised to go fishing. And he said, oh. Dad kept a journal and his, uh, taught his son to do the same. And so Dad, he cleared his docket and went fishing all day with his son. And uh, and couldn't help but think about all he had to do while he was out fishing. And uh, sometime later, it was uh, discovered in the journals from the same day in the journals, Dad's journal said something like, uh, I, 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 I lost a whole day of work and I'm so far behind. And the little guy's journal said, Dad took me fishing today. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> best day of my life. You know, we can't ever forget how little things mean a lot. Little things might seem like little things to us, but they mean a lot. And our kids, you know, listen, maybe we don't need all these things. Maybe we need more time with each other. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we don't have to, look, can I say this? Maybe our kids don't have to do underwater basket weaving. You know, maybe they don't have to do squash ball tournaments. I'm not saying I'm against underwater basket weaving. It's going to be Olympic sport next year, I understand. I'm just saying there's a bazillion things to do. You know what I mean? There's a bazillion things to do. And I'm not saying just uh, sitting home staring at each other is the answer. But I, I, I am saying we get pulled so many different directions. And maybe we need to do less more often. Does that make sense? Maybe we need to do less, more of less. You understand what I mean? We could spread ourselves so thin, we don't really, we're not really successful anything (laughs) how many of you understand what i'm saying and maybe we need to look at our lives and say what's important and and what where's where should my time be going what really matters and then eliminate some things let me tell you something everybody ought to have a a to-do list and a not to-do list amen a not to-do list things that you don't you shouldn't be doing amen because it's going to keep you from doing things that you ought to be doing amen and success is, is, is measured by both those lists. Verse number 18 says, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, 
But he that is slow to anger, appeaseth strife. A wrathful man. This man's anger is overflowing. He's got an old grudge, wrath is old anger, it comes bubbling out. And and he's, he's, he's filled with wrath and he stirs up strife. Here's a statement. Don't keep things stirred up. Don't keep things stirred up. Don't keep things stirred up. Don't keep poking the bear. Don't keep bringing up the hurt. You know, here's the sad thing. Some Christians are mad and they forgot why they're mad. They don't like church. They don't even remember why they don't like church. Let me give you a Bible verse. Get over it. <laughs> I'm not sure if this Bible verse or not. But anyway, but, but uh, people feel with anger, unresolved anger. Listen, if you feel with anger, find it, get an altar and just stay there a while. Fast a couple, three days. Fast a week or more if you need to. And just stay on your face. Have an all-night prayer meeting with God. And get rid of that bitterness. Get rid of that anger. Man, some Christians ought not have drama going on all the time. And by the way, this I'm talking to big people. I'm talking to little people. I'm talking to in-between people. That ought not be. Amen? Uh, you've got to handle those. Get, you've got to uh, deal with those things that got you stirred up on the inside. Slow to anger is used in the Bible eight times. Six of the eight times it refers to God. And then twice here in uh, Proverbs, it's, it, it, it's slow to anger. Uh, is referring to people. He that is slow to anger in our verse here. Appeaseth strife. It's used again in the next chapter, 1632. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Let me give you a statement. Real strength is restraint. Real strength is when you want to get mad and you want to get ticked off and you hold, you restrain yourself. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. What's the last one? Temperance. Lists in the Bible are important. Add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, etc. So when, when you get filled with the Spirit, the order is important. First thing that happens is you get filled up with love. If you ever get filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to love people. Amen? You're just going to love everybody. <laughs> and then joy and then peace, and it culminates in temperance. Temperance is the power of self-restraint. It's the mighty man that's slow to anger. It's the man that's, that's not a man that never wants to get angry, but it's a man that says, no, not time to get angry. It's, it's, it's the man that says internally, it's not worth it. Not worth it. Not going to make an issue of this. He's slow to anger. He gets angry, yes, but he does so intentionally, he doesn't lose it. He's a man of temperance. He doesn't stir things up. Here's the phrase. Look at your verse again. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth. Appeaseth strife. To appease means to make quiet, to calm. We need some, listen, we need some leaders who will calm situations down. Amen. Mama, listen. Mama at home. Daddy at home. If you're frustrated, the little kids already, if you're frustrated, the kids already running the show. If you're, if you're, <sighs> the kid's already in charge. That kid is in charge of your spirit. You have to get a hold of yourself. New Testament, you said this way, in thy patience possess ye your souls. Get a hold of yourself. You got to get a hold of yourself. Listen, if it's all, if the kid is frustrated, you've already let it go on too far. You've got to be consistent when it looks cute. It's not cute if it's misbehavior, but, but because it doesn't bother us and we don't deal with it, and so we're not consistent, and then 
And then when it does get, uh, the, the, then when it does, our temperature does rise and we get frustrated by it. Now the child's in control of the atmosphere of the house and that's backwards. And the child's not going to be happy. Mom and dad's not going to be happy. Amen. And so somebody's going to have to appease, which means to make quiet or to calm. Uh, listen to Proverbs twenty two twenty four. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Young ladies in this room, you listen to Pastor for just a moment. You run from the guy who slams the basketball down on the court. You say, oh, he's a, he's a hunk. You run from that hunk. You run from the young man who kicks the door and yells out the window when he's driving. I said, you run from him. The Bible says, with a furious man thou shalt not go. Make no friendship with an angry man. Everybody, listen. You ought to be kind to everyone. You ought to honor all men, as the Bible says. You should befriend everyone. But don't you make a casual, a, 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 a friendship with somebody who's a hothead. Don't do it. That's what the Bible says. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, let me give you some words. I want you to write about a few words down here. How can we make peace? The appease again means to make peace. All right? So he that is slow to anger, someone who has temperance, he has self-restraint, he can bring his own temperature down, that person appeaseth strife. So here's a situation about to blow up, and a man of temperance comes in and says, Ah, let's calm this down. How does he do it? All right? Write some words down. I don't know. I'm going to use this word because it's a good word, but the, the world's messed it up. But anyway, tolerance. <laughs> tolerance. The world screams tolerance all the time, and uh, I don't like the way they use it. But nonetheless, tolerance, meaning this. Church, let me say something. Do you know, what, what is tolerance? Tolerance is giving somebody else room to believe something or do something or act a little different than you. Have a little different opinion than you. Do you know you don't have to advertise or say anything when you disagree with someone? You don't have to do that. Do you know husbands and wives, one of the best things you'll ever learn is not to voice your disagreements with one another? By the way, dividing responsibilities in your life, in the household, by the way, this is good for work as well. But dividing, giving this person responsibility and jurisdiction in this area and uh, uh, another jurisdiction responsibility in another area, let them make the decisions in that area. And if you don't uh, uh, like the way they did it, keep your mouth shut. Don't, don't advertise them. By the way, you don't have to advertise disappointment. Especially you don't need to summarize your displeasure. I really wish you hadn't done that. Why do you need to say that? It's already done. It's not necessary. <laughs> If someone has done something you didn't like it, guess what? Move on. <laughs> if you're in charge and you didn't teach or train properly, then self-check there. Okay, I need to teach that somewhere along the line. It didn't go the right way. And you do that. But there's no reason to voice disagreement or disappointments. Let me give you another, uh, another word, gentleness. You want to be a peacemaker? I say, how you be a peacemaker? Number one, tolerance. Number two, gentleness. Remember, uh, remember the first verse of this chapter? A soft answer. Turn it the way around. A soft answer turns around. Okay, there's some pictures, right? There's some pictures. We all seen them. Stand up for just a moment. We're going to let you be Antifa. Come on up. I'm the police officer and you're Antifa. You know the picture I'm talking about? All right, you're the police officer. I'm Antifa. All right, so this is Mr. Police Officer. I'm Antifa. 
Somebody's screaming, right? In the face of a law enforcement officer. Okay, question. Who looks like the idiot? You watch it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Seriously? But the peace officer is the one who has to appease the strife. Is that, has it got to be at least one adult in this situation or we get ready to have a riot? Thank you. You may be seated. <laughs> Give a soft answer. Give a soft answer. You know, I remember I learned something. I was a, I was a freshman, and I, I was a freshman in college, and we were picking up teenagers on Sunday night for uh, to come back to church on Sunday night. We had run the bus all day, and my bus captain uh, uh, was uh, we pulled up in front of an apartment building. He said, "Run upstairs and get so and so they're coming to church tonight." So I went upstairs to get so-and-so to come to the church tonight. And mom was irate. She said, but she, she, he, whoever, I don't remember. They're not coming. They're not coming. They this, they this, they that. I was like, oh, no, they need to come. Please, let them come. Ah, they're not coming. And, uh, and so I went down on the bus. And I told the bus captain, I said, they're not coming. He said, we may not come. He said, he said they're coming. Go get them. I said, that, 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 they're not coming. He said, follow me. He marched up the steps. I followed behind him. Got to the door. And said, we're ready to pick up so-and-so. She said, hey, it's coming. And he said, why not? She said, well, she this, she this, she that, she that. He said, she did. He said, well, I wouldn't let her come either. He said, in fact, I'd pull her out of school. I wouldn't even let her come to church. Mom said, well, I don't, I don't know if we ought to do that. What do you suggest? Well, she needs to be disciplined for sure. I don't know if keeping her out of church is the best way to discipline her. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, get ready. Go. We're going to talk later. And then we went. I was like, wow. A little empathy went a long way. That mama just need, didn't need somebody to argue with her, but she needs somebody to listen to what she uh, was feeling. Uh, empathy is the ability to feel what another person is feeling. You know how you get two people together. You go over on this side. Stand up for this minute. These guys are in a fuss. These guys are in a fuss. And uh, and they they they, they 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 can't get together, and I turn this way up because I don't put the lapel on. But anyway, they can't get together, and uh, and so I come over here, and uh, and I talk to him, and I empathize with him, and uh, and uh, and I, I listen to him, and uh, and then I say, you know what, you're you're right, but that's not right, that's right, but you know what, uh, I want you to think about this, and I just take him about that far. Now I come over here, and I listen to him, empathize with him. And uh, by the way, by the way, there's something both of you could do. You say, who are you talking about? Whoever you're mad at. (laughs) There's something both of you could do. So I come over here and empathize, and I nudge him this way. Now I come over here, empathize. And nudge, empathize, and nudge, etc., etc. You get that? Thank you, guys. Be seated, please. You know what? Listen, a lot of folks are, are, are. You know why a lot of folks throw a fit? Because they scream louder than they need to. Because nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. Nobody's empathizing. No one's taking the time to understand. And many times, if you'll do that, you can be the peacemaker. So number one, tolerance. Number two, gentleness. Number three, empathy. Number four, humility. Now this is this is this is con- this is personal conflict. Humility. What do you mean? I mean just give in. Sometimes you can make peace. How? 
give in. Well, they're in the wrong. Okay, so they're in the wrong. Why don't you just give in? Well, that, I don't like that. I'm going to stand on principle. Okay. I'm not saying you should compromise. But do you absolutely have to have your way in this circumstance? Could you not just give in? <laughs> Could you not just let the other person have their way? Do you remember what the Bible said in Romans 12, 10? In honor, preferring one another. Do you not remember what First Corinthians 6? Man, a pastor called me. So I'm going to sue so-and-so. Why are you calling me? Tell me that. Why, pastor, you call me and tell me that? Huh? First Corinthians 6, 7. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Huh? <laughs> That's fairly clear to me. So, humility. Here's another one. Praise. Praise. This is a good word. You want to be a peacemaker? Uh, point out the good in others. Praise. Point out the good in others. Stand up. You guys stand up again. These guys cannot get along. They cannot get along. But you know what? So I'm listening to him, right? And I'm going to empathize with him. But uh, uh, I'm going to say, you know, listen, I, I know, you know, Brother Hamilton's a good man. And I, 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 I <laughs> he, he very well may have said exactly what you, what you, what you told me. I, that it very, very likely did happen. I don't know what's there. But you know what? If he if he did say that, I, I I'm just convinced that that out of we'll get a little closer to the mic. How's that? Come up here. <laughs> but I'm I'm absolutely convinced that's out of the norm for him. That's not typical for him. That you know, 99 times out of 100, if that's what he said, I, I promise you that's not that's not the norm for him. Now, what am I doing? Thank you. Uh, I'll find something good to say about someone else. Number six, discretion. Number six, discretion. Discretion means you know how to keep your mouth shut and not say things that don't need to be said. Amen? You want to be a peacemaker? Tolerance. Don't voice all your disagreements, all your disappointments. Gentleness. When you answer, give a soft answer. Number three, empathy. Listen and feel. Number four, humility. Give in. Just let somebody else have their way. Number five, praise, point out the good in others. Number six, discretion, don't repeat bad reports. And then number seven, believe the best about people. Believe the best about people. Amen? Don't lose confidence in people. All right, verse number 19. The way of the slothful man is in a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. The way of a slothful man is in a hedge of thorns. That's uncomfortable, right? Thorns are uncomfortable, right? Amen? So the way of a slothful... This is a lazy man. Slothful is lazy. The way of a slothful man is in a hedge of thorns. Isn't that funny? He's lazy because he doesn't like discomfort. And the Bible says that his laziness makes him uncomfortable. Here's a statement. Laziness imagines many difficulties. Laziness imagines many difficulties. A lazy man can think of a hundred obstacles, but 99 of them are simply the creations of his own lethargic mindset. (laughs) Uh, Olivia broke her finger, I think it was, uh, on the playground at school years ago. And Miss Shook took her to the mercy room on a Monday. And it was packed to the guilds. And we waited and waited. She waited and waited and got back there and made a comment or something to one of the nurses. 
She said, this is crazy. I never imagined the emergency. She says, well, it's always this way on Monday. She said, what? Yeah, she said, the emergency room's always packed on Monday morning. She said, why? She says, people want doctor's notes, so they don't have to go to work this week. I better go to the emergency room. You know what that is? A lazy hound dog. That's what that is. I'm just going to the emergency room tonight. So y'all a bunch of late and I'm just kidding. <laughs> I understand people have actual emergencies. But the Bible says the slothful man's, uh, his way is a hedge of thorns. It said it this way in Proverbs 22, 13. The slothful man said, there's a lion without. I should be slain in the streets. I can't go outside. A lion might get me. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh He's the man of a million excuses. Young people, let me say something about this school year, about life in general. Do your work. Do your work. God used it. Many a broken man or woman reclaimed by God's grace. But God has never used a lazy man or a lazy woman. The Bible says if any man provide not for his own house, he's worse than an infidel. A godly man provides for his family. Young men, listen to me. A godly man provides for his family. Verse 20. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. It's a sad place to be where you despise the woman who went to the jaws of death to give you life. You're at a bad place. You're at a very bad place. Actually, you're a fool. What the Bible says. So, simple statement. Make mom and dad proud. Amen? Make mom and dad proud. Ought to be something every child, every young person, every young adult says, I want to make my mom and dad proud. A wise son maketh a glad father. Amen? Your goal ought to be to bring joy to your parents' hearts. A foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 1. A lot of tears are shed every day of the world from a mother who's brokenhearted over a wayward child. Every day. And uh, I don't want to be that son or that daughter. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. If you know it, uh, quote it with me out loud. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, we'll stop there. That promise is given in Exodus 20, verse 12. Now, you know, people listen to me. The first command that God attached a promise to, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land. That's longevity. That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord Thy God giveth thee. Honor thy father and thy mother. Listen, it, it, say yes, sir. Say yes, ma'am. Say no, sir. Say no, ma'am. When they speak, you stop in your tra- children. Look at me. Little children, look at pastor. Little children, look at pastor. Look at pastor. When mama speaks, when daddy speaks, you, you stop in your tr- tracks, you turn and you look them in the eye and listen what happens next. You don't act like you didn't hear them. And mom, mom and dad, that ought to be one of the very first things that you could train. Is say, let's try this. And I don't mean, training doesn't mean every time they do wrong, you're going to switch them. But practice it. Have fun with it. 
let them get busy with something and, and then sneak around somewhere and come, pop, come popping out and call their name and teach them how to respond. And you be the little kid. Let somebody else call you. And you can pretend like you're, you're, you know, like you can't hear anything. And make it fun. But teach them and train them the proper way to respond. Kids, listen to me. Listen. This might save your life one day. This might save your life when you're about ready to step off a curb in front of a car. And someone says, son, stop. You're like, uh, you're going to walk out in front of a car. It could save your life. Hey, listen. Uh, uh. When your name is called, children, when your name is called, you ought to stop. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Make your mom and dad proud. Make your mom and dad proud. Verse 21. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. And persons destitute, they're completely devoid, empty, not a little bit, none. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. Folly, folly. The Webster's 1828 Dictionary says this. Folly, now follow me very carefully. Folly is a weak or absurd act, not highly criminal, an act which is inconsistent with the dictates of reason or ordinary rules of prudence. Prudence is looking down the road. Is this smart? Is this not smart? So let me read it again. Folly is a weak or absurd absurd act, not highly criminal, an act which is inconsistent with the dictates of reason or ordinary rules of prudence. Now, let me, let me give you this statement, write it down, and I'll talk to you about it. Wise people don't laugh at folly. Wise people don't laugh at folly. Now, you could use the word foolishness here, but the Bible word is folly, and it's important. I may use the word foolishness interchangeably as I discuss this with you for a few moments. But I want you to get the picture here. When you, when we're foolish, we're not like talking about, we're not talking about going out and getting drunk. We're, to, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about, uh, um, okay, uh, swinging too high on the swing. And you, you're about ready to fall back and break your neck. That's just foolishness. Don't do that. Right? Or getting up on top of something and crawling and it's not safe. And, you, and kids will do this. Little kids will do this. Big kids will do this. Teenagers will do this. To get a laugh. But here's the sad thing is, adults laugh at them sometimes. When a kid... The Bible says the foolishness, quote it with me, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it from him. Look, if a kid is is misbehaving and just being an idiot, can I use the word idiot? Just being foolish, just folly, uh, that's time for the rod. Not a scene, not a dramatic, you know, Oh, come down, you're going to die. Just say, come here. We're going to take care of that. You're not going to do that again. That's stupid. That's, that's foolish. We don't do that. And doing that consistently will take care of that. Uh, wise people don't laugh at foolishness. They don't enjoy it and they don't laugh at it. 
Conversely, the fool who is destitute of wisdom, he just doesn't get it. He laughs at that kind of thing. So, young people, kids, listen to me. You might do something stupid. You might be at school and do something. And get a laugh at it from your foolish classmates. But teachers, that's not time for you to laugh. By the way, let me say this. This is my little sensitive. But if your kid's acting the fool, please don't make yourself look foolish by laughing at your kid's poor behavior. It's not working. <laughs> it's not working. Everybody's irritated, so you acting like it's funny. We, none of us think it's funny. <laughs> Everybody okay? Nobody thinks it's funny. So if you just laugh at it. No, just look. How many of you acted the fool as a kid? Raise your hand if you acted the fool as a kid. Okay, nope, only a few. Both hands up. Uh, okay, yeah, but there's a way to deal with that, right? May I say this uh, to, the, to, to, to the teachers and leader in any, any arena? If a, if a kid is brazen enough to break the rules and do something foolish, uh, it's, not, it's not cute. Don't laugh at it. Just, I'm not saying explode. It needs to be dealt with, though. We don't laugh at it. Parents, children are prone to folly. We talk about the follies of youth. But don't laugh off their folly. We should not. Listen. Sometimes we mask our own failures in training and discipline. And I understand this as a parent. Sometimes we mask that by laughing at things that don't need to be laughed at. And listen. You know what happens? When a kid does something foolish and he gets a laugh, guess what? Guess what's going? Guess what he's going to do? More of the same. Right? More of the same. Amen. Let's get one more in. You want to? Verse number 22. We're going to even if you don't want to. Verse number 22. Here we go. One of these multitude of verses um, on, on, the, on the subject of counsel. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Again, the, the word counsel here. Uh, let, let me say this, then I'll give you this statement. We... We, we've sort of become, counsel is almost like a narcotic <laughs> to people. Everybody wants to go, not everybody. People say, I want to go to counseling. Can I have counseling? And the word counsel simply means advice. Now, I do understand that some situations are complicated and take time. I do understand that. But the bottom line is this. When God talks about counsel, he's talking about we as believers being wise enough and humble enough to go and get good godly advice. That may take a while to lay out the situation and the dynamics of the situation and what is the best advice to give. Sometimes it's you can give advice in five seconds. Sometimes in less than a minute you can get advice. And, and by the way, I would... Uh, well, let me finish this and then I'll get to that. Sometimes uh, you can get advice quickly. Sometimes you've got to sort some things out and get some advice. But listen, if, if, if you ought to take advice. Sometimes we want to just talk about an issue. We don't want really, we don't really want advice. We just want to talk about it. And, and if we don't hear what we want to hear, then we'll go find another counselor. Everybody okay? Yes, another counselor so we can hash through it again with someone else. And if we don't like what we hear, find another counselor and hash it out with them. 
And if you really can't find anybody, then find somebody expensive, $7,500, $125 an hour. Pay them. Then you've really done something. You hashed it out for $125 an hour. Everybody okay? Uh, listen, counsel is just simply, it's advice. The Bible says without counsel, without good counsel, without good advice, purposes are disappointed. This is our text from Sunday morning. Purposes, that's good intentions, the things that we intended to do are disappointed. It doesn't work out. But in the multitude of counselors, they're established. Here's a statement I want to give you. Good intentions are not enough to avoid disappointment. Good intentions are not enough to avoid disappointments. Every Christian ought to have, uh, again, I'm sure we've said this, but every Christian ought to have a, a cabinet of counselors, if you will. The president has a, a cabinet, somebody that knows finances, somebody that knows transportation, somebody that knows this, 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 and he has a group of people, and that's his cabinet, and his advisors. And every Christian ought to have a, a, a cabinet of counselors and Spiritually minded people, wise people, people who have succeeded in that area. Look, there's no shortage of people who want to give you advice, you know. But but wisdom knows how to find wisdom. You have to use the wisdom God's given you. If you're going to talk, listen, if you're going to talk to somebody about a marriage, don't listen to Oprah Winfrey. Amen. Don't listen to somebody just shack up for years after years after years after years. You're going to get marriage advice? That's not a really good person to get marriage advice. Uh, once you find somebody, find it, go, go, to, go to that park up in Greensboro, look for that little couple who's been sitting on that bench for 64 years, and ask them some questions. Amen? Talk to some of these folks that have been at it for a while and, uh, and learn some things to do and probably some things not to do. So you and I must be able to identify wise people. I'm going to tell you one thing right away. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. Amen? He that winneth souls is wise. What, I, I, I'm not saying... That all soul winners are experts in every area. <laughs> Not at all. Sometimes people come and say, Preacher, can you give me some advice on this? I said, Yeah, go talk to so and so. That's my advice. Amen? I don't have all the answers, but, but most of the time we can find somebody that does have the answers. Amen? And so you must be able to identify wise people, a soul winner, someone who's accomplished and experienced in the area in which you need counsel, and someone who knows good biblical counsel. Amen? Then you must be humble enough to ask and receive that counselor. Amen? So, I don't know. I'm just curious. Don't, don't raise your hand. But, yeah, have you gotten any advice lately? Not from me. I'm, just, I'm not, not saying for me. I mean, I think I'm smart. But no, I'm not saying for me, for me, anybody. How about your grandma? Have you got any advice from your grandma lately? Grandpa? The guy's been on the job for 20 years longer than you've been on the job? Have you got any advice from anybody lately? The Bible says this. Wise people, they know how to get counsel. They know how to draw things out of people who know things. The wisest people are not the people who give the, the ready advice. The wisest people are the ones who talk the least. The ones who talk the least. Those are the wisest people. That's what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says a fool, when he doesn't talk, he even looks wise. Amen. So if you have no idea on the subject, keep your mouth shut. People think you, they'll think you know something. Just go, hmm. Amen. But every one of us, everyone, listen, look, first of all, we shouldn't be embarrassed that we have a struggle. 
How many of you have struggles? Struggles and everything? Okay. We shouldn't be embarrassed we have struggles. We're God's people. Amen? Be a good idea if some of you younger ladies talk to some of the older ladies in this church. Get some counsel and advice about home and family. What, what, do you, what, what, what do you need help with? It's a job to run a household. It's a job to keep food on the table and keep the clothes washed and keep the lunches made, get the kids out the door and get them back. I mean, that's a, that, that's, that's a job. I'm so glad I'm the man. <laughs> I'll finish with this little story. But a uh, guy, guy came home one day, and the kid was out in the front yard. Little kid in the front yard, playing in the front yard by himself. Mom was nowhere around. His diaper was hanging on by one side. One side was hanging on. The front door was open. The mat was turned over. And, and he said, oh, my soul, something's happened to my wife. And he went inside, and, and, uh, uh, and, and there was food and toys strewn all over the living room. He said, he got worried. He scooped that baby up, started going through the house. Mama, where you at? Sweetie, sweetie, where you at? Got back to the back bedroom, and she was there on the bed. She had a bowl of popcorn right here. She was eating bonbons and popcorn. Still in her nightgown. He said, honey, are you okay? She said, oh, I'm doing just fine. He said, what happened here today? She said, you know how you ask me every day when you come home, what would you do all day? Well, today I didn't do it. <laughs> It's not an easy job. We need help. Amen? Young people, you need help. You know what? Listen, if we, if we could be honest with ourselves just a little bit, and we struggle in an area of our life and find somebody and say, you know what? I see old so-and-so. Man, I like to know how they do it. Go ask them. Go ask them. How do you do that? Some of you young kids that are struggling or whatever, why don't you talk to some of those, those young, there's some older kids you've got respect for, have a good testimony, walk with God, with soul winners. Go talk to them. Say, how do you do that? Can you help me? I struggle. Can you help me? And you know what? Listen, everybody's, we've all gotten help from others, and we ought to help others. Amen? And that's what wise people do. Shall we stand? Amen. Lord, we love you. Thank you.